The following audio is from Jacob's Well Church. For more information about Jacob's Well Church, please visit www.jacobswellgb.org. Good morning again. This is exciting. Emmaus Road, and hear the story of Emmaus Road. I I don't know if you know this, um, I'm a second generation Wisconsinite, and my parents... Uh, they did not come to Wisconsin until just a few years before I was born. And also, they're not the typical Norwegian-German background kind of people. So I, my whole family was kind of thrown into Wisconsin culture um, right away. And uh, I had to learn the ropes growing up, what it was like to be a, a young person growing up in Wisconsin. And I was kind of thrown into it uh, right away. And it worked a little bit like this. You see... A half dozen Saturdays in the fall, I was thrown into what it was like to be a Wisconsinite. You see, I grew up two blocks away from Camp Randall Stadium, the home of the Wisconsin Badgers, okay? And my family started this tradition where we would park cars before the Wisconsin football games uh, and have people just park in our front lawns. And at six years old, my family brought me into the family business of parking cars, and I had to hold the sign, okay? And uh, so $3 a car, you know, this is the early 80s, come on in and, uh, and, and park. And it was, so we'd start two hours beforehand, and people from, from Superior, from, from Peshtigo, from Oconomowoc, from Partyville, from Platteville, from all over Wisconsin would come and park in our front lawn, and they would come super early, And they would come and they would tailgate in our backyard. You know, they had the grills out and everything like that. And I was just exposed to what it was like to be a Wisconsinite. And I found the exposure was in the smells, okay? The smell of fall, first of all. Then the smell of brats. I mean, it just just wafted into our house. You could smell it all day long. There was so much grilling in our front yard. And then also the smell of Miller. I mean, beer everywhere. And that was just part of the Wisconsin Badger game. And I learned something about what it was like to be a Wisconsinite through observing these people. And they, this is a tradition, some of these people, for 15 years, they parked in the same spot. So I got to know these people. And this is what I found out about these people. Wisconsinites, whether they win or lose, they have a good time. And we lost a lot in the 80s, if you guys know Wisconsin football history. And also, on top of that, um, they stay no matter what. So people didn't just go to watch the game. They went to sing and to be part of the fifth quarter, which was the band coming. That was just part of it. And people from Wisconsin, they're never harsh to the opposing crowd. I remember the Iowa people coming, and they would just be mean. But we would always just tease the Iowa fans. And no matter what, whether we won or lost, we'd just have a good time with the opposing team. So they were never harsh. But I also learned something else that was confusing for me as a, as a young kid, six, seven years old, that people after the game would come back slurring their words, staggering, and sometimes they wouldn't, they would, their cars would still be parked in our front lawn until three or four in the morning. It was just part of Wisconsin culture. We are all Wisconsinites, whether you want to claim it or not. We are. We live here in Wisconsin. What would it be like for the risen Lord to be acknowledged and seen at that 
front yard parking at a Badger game. What would it be like for the risen Lord to be seen and understood and known in Green Bay, in Appleton, in northeastern Wisconsin, throughout Wisconsin? What would it be like? We chose the name Emmaus Road not just because it was cool and hip and it was two words just like Jacob's well so it fits the whole paradigm, you know? No. We chose the name because it has meaning. The story is what we face here. It's the same kind of issues and things. And we think how the gospel reaches Wisconsin, the Emmaus Road, fits into that idea. Well, let's pray and then we will see what the word has to say to us. Heavenly Father, you are good and gracious and you are mighty. The way you would call a southern bell, Aaron Breed, from Atlanta to Appleton, Wisconsin, is only your work. And the way that you would call different people from different places to be a part of the work of the church is because of your providence. God, we are thankful for your mightiness. And we pray that we would see it evident in Green Bay and Appleton and throughout Wisconsin. Open the word to us. Let it penetrate our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, there is a uniqueness to this story. And I think the uniqueness is this. Um, The author, Luke, um, is also the author of Acts. And if you open up the book of Acts in the beginning, it talks about what was Jesus' history after his resurrection. And And Luke illustrates how he was with and he saw that Jesus was around for 40 days after his resurrection and appeared to hundreds of people. But Luke only gives three stories of Jesus after his resurrection, when there's probably scores of stories about Jesus after his resurrection. Why would he choose one of these stories, the Emmaus Road story? I believe it's not just give us a story or a narrative or historical account of Jesus being resurrected, but it also teaches us something. It gives us something we should know about how we are supposed to respond to the resurrection of Jesus. And I think more than that, it speaks to us as a church here in Wisconsin. These two men, I think, echo many of the characteristics as us, as Wisconsinites. And I think Jesus talking and how he communicates to them, communicates in many ways we as a church should respond both to ourselves and to those that are in our midst in Wisconsin. Well, how do we answer that question? How is it like, how are these two men like Wisconsinites? Well, you see that Jesus um, is kind of a crazy story that these two guys are um, three days after Jesus' death and they are walking from Jerusalem back to maybe their hometown, which is Emmaus, um, They're discouraged, their heads are down, and um, randomly another guy walks alongside of them. And they are having this conversation. And and Jesus is saying, well, what things are you talking about? It's not that I don't think Jesus knew what happened, because of course he does, knows what happened. But I think he's trying to see what things are people talking about 
what's happened these past three days. Because there are many things that happened in Jerusalem over those three days. It was the Passover festival, so many people were in town for that. Barabbas was freed. I mean, there was lots of things to talk about what was happening in Jerusalem at that time. But they respond, don't you know? You must be an outsider. They're almost indignation. How could there be any way you don't know what happened? You'd have to be not from Jerusalem to not know. And the one thing that they point out or talk about that did happen was the story of Jesus. How he was mighty in work and deed, how he did all these great things, and then he was handed over um, to, you know, by the chief priests and was crucified. All these, so the story that everyone knows in Jerusalem, you'd have to be an outsider, you'd have to be totally outside and not know it, is the story of Jesus. That's the story everyone has heard. There's been a lot of talk among commentators and social critics about America recently, especially church leaders. And many church leaders say we live in a current Babylon or Athens or Rome. We live in a place where people don't even know what Christianity is anymore or they're opposed um, to Christianity. I agree with a, a different commentary. His name is Tim Stafford, and he wrote an article about this. I don't think we live in Babylon in Athens when we live in northeastern Wisconsin. In fact, I think we live in a place where people know the story of Jesus. I mean, I have gone around and talked to lots of people, and one question I've asked people when I've interviewed about what this area is like is, I've asked, who is Jesus? And I've 99% of the people I've talked to have an understanding of the stories of Jesus. I don't think we live in Babylon and Athens. I think, like Tim Stafford says, we live in, in Samaria, a place where people know the stories. They're used to it, whether they grew up in confirmation class or in church or they've heard it through friends. They know the, the Judeo-Christian ethic. They've heard these things. So if people know about Jesus, they know the stories about Jesus, it begs the question for me, for Dan, for us, why a church in such a religious place where people would say, I know Jesus. I've been in the church. I've been confirmed. I've gone to youth group. I know the story of Jesus. Well, I think the data shows us something different in observations of the culture. It used to be in Wisconsin that, you know, your families went to church and there was such a cultural pull because your parents or grandparents went to church that you went to church too. I think over the past 20, 30 years, that pull has just waned. Where just because your parents or grandparents go doesn't mean that you are going to end up going when you get older. People are leaving the church, statistics show. Or people just don't go as much as they used to. They put church in their own category and say, and still will identify themselves by, you know, as a Christian, even if they maybe only go a couple times a year. And I think behind this, as I talk to people and talk about where you are in your faith, what does it mean to be a Christian, all those things, I hear a lot of skepticism about the church. And usually skepticism comes out in these kind of ways. I don't believe Jesus really has authority over all my aspects of life. He's good for Sunday morning, but not everything. 
You know, Christianity, I just don't think it is the only way. There's many ways that I can come to God. This just happens to be one way. And I just have doubts about organized religion. I've seen the corruption in the media and things that have happened in church. I just, I just doubt organized religion. Religion has its place, and I have mine. It's just kind of the mantra that I hear among many people in northeastern Wisconsin. And this is why I think the name Emmaus Road in this story fits so well. Like the men in this story, people here in Wisconsin know the story of Jesus. But have their eyes been opened? Have their hearts burned to what it means to encounter the risen Christ? Have their eyes been opened? Do their hearts burn to what it means to encounter the risen Christ? This story, why I think it's interesting and I really like the way that Luke writes it and he writes it this way on purpose, is it's, it's loaded with this great irony. What is the irony? That these two men are talking about Jesus and they're walking with him and they don't know who he is. So we as readers know from the get-go that this is Jesus who they're talking to. And because of that, we kind of laugh, you know? Oh, you silly guys. Jesus is going to tell you what it's really about. You know, wait till he tells you. You know, he's going to show himself. We're just kind of like laughing at these guys because they're walking with Jesus. And he's going to tell them what it's really about. It's fun to be in that position, isn't it? The position of, oh, I can transcend and see what's really happening position. I call it the Wheel of Fortune um, um, epidemic or uh, issue. And it's Wheel of Fortune works like this. Um, I think why Wheel of Fortune is such a popular show is um, because you can sit at home and there's like this time between people solving the puzzles and stuff that you can solve the riddle before they do, right? Like, oh, I know it, you know, before they can answer it. There's this sense of pride. I know what's going on, right? Don't you see nonstick frying pan? Don't you see it? It's an inside joke. Maybe we're like, why are people laughing so much about that? Jason Steger, our own nonstick frying pan. You know, and we, and when he came home, we 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 joked with him and laughed and kidded. Oh, nonstick frying pan! Didn't you see it? But how about if you were in the midst of Wheel of Fortune, right? You got the lights. You got the pressure of sitting on $20,000. You got all these things, and you're sitting here trying to figure out the puzzle. When you're in the midst of it, it's a lot more difficult than sitting at home, having your Doritos. So can we all give Jason Steger some grace and some love? I sure hope so, because it's hard in the midst of it. And I think it's the same way about us with people outside the church. Don't you get it? And don't you know what it's like to be born again, to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Doesn't your heart burn? Aren't your eyes opened? Shouldn't he control all of your life? Do we believe that? When your job doesn't go well, 
When your friendships aren't going well, when life is difficult for you, do you believe Jesus is alive? Are you disappointed and saddened in all these things and not realizing the risen Christ is the king of the universe and he controls our lives and loves us and cares about us and no matter how bad the situations are in life, we are still his son? Do you believe that in the midst of that? I'm being harsh on us, okay? So we're not harsh on them. What do we sometimes see of Jesus? What do we think he is? What is he supposed to do for us? The travelers on the Emmaus Road, they give us a glimpse of what we sometimes think, what people outside the church sometimes think, what people in northeastern Wisconsin think of what Jesus is supposed to be. And here is what they say. They're talking about you know, he says, what things have happened? And they, they talk about, you know, what happened to Jesus, the crucifixion, all these things. And I think why they're depressed and saddened, as it talks about, they, they stood still and they were saddened, which is in the Greek, it's, it can be translated depressed or melancholy. I think the reason they're this way is because their expectations were not met of what Jesus was supposed to do. Yes, they lost a friend, but more than that, they lost what they hoped their friend would do. And what did they hope that Jesus would do? Here it says it in verse 21. But we hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They were depressed. They were saddened because they thought Jesus would bring political salvation to them. That there would be redemption from Rome Redemption from a foreign occupier controlling them. But Jesus corrects them and says, no, you need a greater redemption. Not just a political redemption, but a heart redemption. A total change. Your life needs to be transformed. That is the redemption that I bring. So the Fox Valley. What do we need redemption from? Is it political salvation? Some of you might think we do. But really, what do we need to be redeemed for and from? I live on Story Street in Appleton, Wisconsin. Okay? Story Street in Appleton. I mean, that might be common to you, but when I tell my Colorado friends that's where I live, they live, do you live next to Candyland Lane? I mean, I live in Americana. Appleton, one of the top ten places in the United States to raise a family. It's safe. You can make a living there. It's friendly. It's not a rat race. It is the perfect place. What kind of redemption do people need there? Really? This is safe. It's good. People go to church, too. You know what? And even if things go bad, we have escapes too in Wisconsin, don't we? If our job doesn't go well, family's not going well, you know what? I'll just go up into my tree blind, you know? I'll go to the ice shanty, you know? I'll go to my cabin in the summer to escape. I'll root for the Green Bay Packers. There are escapes for me. 
if things are not going well, if I can't redeem my job or my family or whatever it might be. Who needs redemption in the Fox Valley? We got everything we need here. Please hear me now. Dysfunction, ugliness, sin, it oozes from this place. And we try to hide it so well here in the Fox Valley. Do you know there are 125 plus AA groups in Appleton alone? You know, I sat down with the head of Health and Human Services in Outagamie County, and we just were talking about what the needs are. And she said, Harbor House, which houses people of domestic abuse, I can't, it's overflowing. We need to build another place here. And she looked at me, she, she, not a, she wasn't a Christian, and she looked at me and she said, you know what people think? They think it's low-class people that go to Harbor House. It's not. It's middle-class people that are there. We do not receive redemption. And because of it, where do we go? Alcohol, abuse, pornography, depression, loneliness, family dysfunction. I hope I'm not speaking to you guys like, I don't see that. This is Wisconsin, people. It's there, isn't it? So what's the solution? Uh, right? It's quick. Right? Emmaus Road. Here we are. The church. The church is the solution, right? Quick answer. You know, I think this is where it becomes complex. The church as a solution is many times very layered for people when they're going through these things or when we go through these things. Because many times the church in the Fox Valley can be a symbol of our family being what put well together, Right? We show up on Sunday morning, and it's an example of our family is doing well because we come to church. Or many times people think church is a place where I'm suffering, I can receive easing. My suffering can be eased at church, and it just becomes this place where I can feel better about myself and what I'm dealing with. Again, if you're going to hear anything I say this morning, please hear this. We are not simply people suffering in need of easing. We are sinners in need of salvation. We are sufferers, not just in the need of easing. We are sinners in the need of salvation. And that is hard for people from Wisconsin to understand. Why? Because we are a hardworking, prideful people. In our work, in our families, in our church going. It's just who we are. There's a neighbor who's had two major surgeries He's in the early 80s and I've gotten to befriend him and get to know him and go and visit him at times. And I was talking to him and I was trying to ask some more existential questions about his life and I asked this question. I said, you know, what are these surgeries making you contemplate about life? Think about your meaning. You know, I'm pastoral, right? It's a church-going guy. 
And he says to me, you know, it means, and he's not being humorous, he's being serious, taking me serious, I shouldn't be out there with the ice chipper hammering away like I have been. I, I, I can't be with the ice chipper hammering around. You know, that's what it makes me think about when I'm going through these things. Don't you see? You are not just sick in the need of easing a pain. You are dead in your sins in need of new life. When we see that we are dead, that nothing can solve these issues, the packers, ice fishing, alcohol, getting angry at our families, we are dead. When we finally see that, then our eyes will be opened. Our hearts will burn. And we will see we need the risen Lord. The reason we are named Emmaus Road Church is because we desire to be a church that both can receive and give the counsel of Jesus to people along the road of life. I love, I mean, I love how Jesus reacts to these two men. What he does. He opens the scripture to them. He doesn't have a Bible in front of him, but he's reciting it to them. And this is one thing we want to be as Emmaus Road. A place where we see scripture as our authority and guide. But on top of that, Jesus doesn't just say the, the scriptures, he shows how the scriptures point to him. It says how the Old Testament, the prophets, Moses, all the way from Moses, how these stories point to what he was supposed to do as the Messiah. As Emmaus Road Church, we simply don't want to give moral teachings. Buck up, do it, you're going to do fine, we're going to ease your pain. But instead, we want to show how scripture points to the only righteousness that we can receive, the only way we can be alive, The only way our hearts can burn is when Jesus is our righteousness. So one, a gospel-centered church that opens the scripture and speaks it into people's lives. Second, we want to be a village church. What does that mean? I love how the way that they walk with Jesus. Jesus walks with them. He listens to them. He hears where they're coming from. He corrects them after a long period of walking with them. And he communes with them and dines with them. Behind religion in Wisconsin, there is skepticism. There is bitterness. There is mistrust and there is misunderstanding. We want to be a church where people can process. Where people can belong before believing. Where we will walk with them in life. And let them come with their doubts their bitterness, their mistrust of what the church is, and that we would do that in their lives. And we would be in an environment of a church where we are with one another. We live out forgiveness with one another. We show how the gospel is alive in our life by the way that we forgive one another, bear with one another, and give grace towards one another. Something that many people in Wisconsin don't see in their own families And lastly, we want to be a church that creatively engages people's hearts, 
Here it talks about how their hearts burned. When they, Jesus disappears, um, it, it says, you know, didn't our hearts burn while we were walking with him and he was opening the scripture to us? We want to walk with people in their lives. And what they're seeing, whether it's watching movies, doing art, which is big in Appleton, whether it's in their career, we want to show people that in these areas of life there is God's common grace. But the thing is, you need more than that for these things to have meaning and purpose. You need his special grace, his redemption. We want to creatively engage people's hearts. The Curie Laysone, I know it was different, but many people in Appleton grew up saying the Curie Laysone every single week at church. We want to engage people and show there is meaning behind the Curie Laysone. The meaning is the Lord has mercy upon us so that people's hearts would burn when they see the things they've lived out in life, and then they see how the gospel intersects it. Emmaus Road Church, ultimately we desire this. We want to be able to say to one another, and those around us, like the disciples said after these two journeymen came back and realized who they were walking with, it's true. Jesus is alive. He is real. He can work upon our lives. We are dead, but with him there is life. That is the good news. So that we can see eyes opened, hearts burning in Appleton, Wisconsin. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, this is a mighty task to start a church. And I admit that we don't have the skills, the coolness, whatever it might be, to make it work. We need you. God, be the redemption for people in Appleton. Let them see that they can only have real life when it's with you. They can only redeem bad jobs, only redeem good jobs, only redeem their family when you are their source of life. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. We're going to continue in worship this morning. And I'm going to, you know, I continue to move you through this worship guide and, uh, there's some things that um, you can read here, and we have a little call and response before we're going to take um, communion this morning. And this is what I would say. Maybe you um, have many times come to this table and seen the bread broken. You've seen the wine. And I hope that even in just the repetitiveness of maybe of doing this, that it wouldn't just be repetition. But instead, you can expound like these two men. When he broke the bread, our eyes were opened to who he was and what redemption really was. And that's why we take this morning.
we take the elements to realize the only place we will receive redemption is through him. We don't see Jesus physically like these two men do, but he is with us spiritually. You might be a person that's still processing this, figuring it out. If you are, don't take the elements. Wait. This is a place where you can process this, talk about these things. If you are questioning what it means to encounter the risen Lord, talk to Dan, talk to me, talk to the elders. And I hope you would. Your eyes would be open. Your heart would be ablaze to what it means to follow the risen Lord. Again, this isn't a Presbyterian table. This is for anyone that acknowledge that Jesus is their redemption. So let us respond together in this kind of prayer preparation. And then I'm going to ask um, the people serving communion to come forward, and we're going to pass the plate around and uh, just take the elements, and then we will all receive them together after everyone has received them. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord. Father, we now celebrate the feast of your Son. By means of this bread and cup, we show forth the sacrifice of his death and proclaim his resurrection until he comes again. Gather us. By him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours now and forever. Amen.